Chapter 16 of The Life and Adventures of Sir Lancelot Greaves. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. The Life and Adventures of Sir Lancelot Greaves by Tobias Smollett. Chapter 16. Which, it is to be hoped, the reader will find an agreeable medley of mirth and madness, sense and absurdity. It was not without reason that our adventurer afflicted himself. His fears were but too prophetic. When he alighted at the inn, which he had left so abruptly the preceding evening, he ran directly to the apartment where he had been so happy in Aurelia's company. But her he saw not. All was solitary. Turning to the woman of the house, who had followed him into the room, "'Where is the lady?' cried he, in a tone of impatience. Mine hostess, screwing up her features into a very demure aspect, said she saw so many ladies she could not pretend to know who he meant. "'I tell thee, woman,' exclaimed the knight, in a louder accent, "'thou never sawest such another. I mean that miracle of beauty.' "'Very like.' replied the dame, as she retired to the room door. "'Husband, here's one as axes concerning a miracle of beauty. Hi, hi, hi! Can you give him any information about this miracle of beauty? Oh, la! Hi, hi, hi!' Instead of answering this question, the innkeeper advancing and surveying Sir Lancelot, "'Friend,' said he, "'you are the person that carried off my horse out of the stable.' "'Tell me not of a horse. Where is the young lady?' now i will tell you of the horse and i'll make you find him too before you and i part wretched animal how darest thou dally with my impatience speak or despair what is become of miss meadows say did she leave this place of her own accord or was she uh, speak answer or by the powers above i'll answer you flat she you call miss meadows is in very good hands so you may make yourself easy on that score. Sacred heaven! Explain your meaning, miscreant, or I'll make you a dreadful example to all the insolent publicans of the realm. So saying, he seized him with one hand and dashed him on the floor, set one foot on his belly, and kept him trembling in that prostrate attitude. The ostler and waiter, flying to the assistance of their master, our adventurer unsheathed his sword, declaring he would dismiss their souls from their bodies, and exterminate the whole family from the face of the earth, if they would not immediately give him the satisfaction he required. The hostess, being by this time terrified almost out of her senses, fell on her knees before him, begging he would spare their lives, and promising to declare the whole truth. He would not, however, remove his foot from the body of her husband until she told him that in less than half an hour after he had sallied out upon the supposed robbers, two chaises arrived, each drawn by four horses, that two men, armed with pistols, alighted from one of them, laid violent hands upon the young lady, and, notwithstanding her struggling and shrieking, forced her into the other carriage in which was an infirm gentleman, who called himself her guardian. 
that the maid was left to the care of a third servant to follow with a third chaise which was got ready with all possible dispatch while the other two proceeded at full speed on the road to london it was by this communicative lackey the people of the house were informed that the old gentleman his master was squire darnell the young lady his niece and ward and our adventurer a needy sharper who wanted to make a prey of her fortune the knight fired even almost to frenzy by this intimation spurned the carcass of his host and his eye gleaming terror rushed into the yard in order to mount bronzamarte and pursue the ravisher when he was diverted from his purpose by a new incident one of the postilions who had driven the chaise in which dolly was conveyed happened to arrive at that instant when seeing our hero he ran up to him cap in hand and presenting a letter accosted him in these words please your noble honour if your honour be sir lancelot greaves of the west riding here's a letter from a gentlewoman that i promised to deliver into your honour's own hands the knight snatching the letter with the utmost avidity broke it up and found the contents couched in these terms honoured sir the man as gin me lead to let you know my dear lady is going to london with her uncle squire darnell be not concerned honoured sir for i take it on my life to let you know where's we be settled if so i can find where you lodge in london the man says you may put it in the public prints i hope the bear here will be honest enough to deliver this scroll and that your honour will pardon your humble servant to command dorothy cowslip p s please my cane service to lay a clerk squire darnell's man is very civil for certain but i've no thoughts on him i assure ye marry hap worse where may have a better chap as the saying goes nothing could be more seasonable than the delivery of this billet which he had no sooner perused than his reflection returned and he entered into a serious deliberation with his own heart he considered that aurelia was by this time far beyond a possibility of being overtaken and that by a precipitate pursuit he should only expose his own infirmities he confided in the attachment of his mistress and in the fidelity of her maid who would find opportunities of communicating her sentiments by means of this lackey of whom he perceived by the letter she had already made a conquest he therefore resolved to bridle his impatience to proceed leisurely to london and instead of taking any rash step which might induce antony darnell to remove his niece from that city remain in seeming quiet until she should be settled and her guardian return to the country aurelia had mentioned to him the name of dr cordle and from him he expected in due time to receive the most interesting information formerly tormented with the pangs of despairing love which had actually unsettled his understanding he was now happily convinced that he had inspired the tender breast of aurelia with mutual affection and though she was invidiously snatched from his embrace in the midst of such endearments as had wound up his soul to ecstasy and transport he did not doubt of being able to rescue her from the power of an inhumane kinsman 
whose guardianship would soon of course expire and in the meantime he rested with the most perfect dependence on her constancy and virtue as he next day crossed the country ruminating on the disaster that had befallen his squire and could now compare circumstances coolly he easily comprehended the whole scheme of that adventure which was no other than an artifice of anthony darnell and his emissaries to draw him from the inn where he proposed to execute his design upon the innocent aurelia he took it for granted that the uncle having been made acquainted with his niece's elopement had followed her track by the help of such information as he received from one stage to another and that receiving more particulars at the white heart touching sir lancelot he had formed the scheme in which crabshaw was an involuntary instrument towards the seduction of his master amusing himself with these and other cogitations our hero in the afternoon reached the place of his destination and entering the inn where timothy had been left at sick quarters chanced to meet the apothecary retiring precipitately in a very unsavoury pickle from the chamber of his patient when he inquired about the health of his squire this retainer to medicine wiping himself all the while with a napkin answered in manifest confusion that he apprehended him to be in a very dangerous way from an inflammation of the pia mater which had produced a most furious delirium then he proceeded to explain in technical terms the method of cure he had followed and concluded with telling him the poor squire's brain was so outrageously disordered that he had rejected all administration and just thrown a urinal in his face the knight's humanity being alarmed at this intelligence he resolved that crabshaw should have the benefit of further advice and asked if there was not a physician in the place the apothecary after some interjections of hesitation owned there was a doctor in the village an odd sort of a humorist but he believed he had not much to do in the way of his profession and was not much used to the forms of prescription he was counted a scholar to be sure but as to his medical capacity he would not take upon him to say no matter cried sir lancelot he may strike out some lucky thought for the benefit of the patient and i desire you will call him instantly while the apothecary was absent on this service our adventurer took it in his head to question the landlord about the character of this physician which had been so unfavourably represented and received the following information for my part master i know nothing amiss of the doctor he's a quiet sort of an inoffensive man uses my house sometime and pays for what he has like the rest of my customers they say he deals very little in physic stuff but he cures his patients with fasting and water gruel whereby he can't expect the apothecary to be his friend you knows master one must live and let live as the saying is i must say he for the value of three guineas set up my wife's constitution in such a manner that i have saved within these two years i believe forty pounds in pothecary's bills but what of that every man must eat though at another's expense and i should be in a deadly hole myself if all my customers should take it in their heads to drink nothing but water gruel because it's good for the constitution thank god 
i have as good a constitution as e'er a man in england but for all that i and my old family bleed and purge and take a diet drink twice a year by way of serving the pothecary who is a very honest man and a very good neighbour their conversation was interrupted by the return of the apothecary with the doctor who had very little of the faculty in his appearance he was dressed remarkably plain seemed to be turned of fifty had a careless air and a sarcastical turn in his countenance before he entered the sick man's chamber he asked some questions concerning the disease and when the apothecary pointing to his own head said it lies all here the doctor turning to sir lancelot replied if that be all there's nothing in it upon a more particular inquiry about the symptoms he was told that the blood was seemingly viscous and salt upon the tongue the urine remarkably acrosaline and the faeces atrabilious and fetid when the doctor said he would engage to find the same phenomena in every healthy man of the three kingdoms the apothecary added that the patient was manifestly comatose and moreover afflicted with griping pains and borborigmata a fit for your borborigmata cried the physician what has been done to this question he replied that venisection had been three times performed that a vesicatory had been applied into scapulars that the patient had taken occasionally of a cathartic aposum and between whiles alexipharmic boluses and neutral draughts neutral indeed said the doctor so neutral that i'll be crucified if ever they declare either for the patient or the disease so saying he brushed into crabshaw's chamber followed by our adventurer who was almost suffocated at his first entrance the day was close the window shutters were fastened a huge fire blazed in the chimney thick harateen curtains were close drawn round the bed where the wretched squire lay extended under an enormous load of blankets the nurse who had all the exteriors of a board given to drink sat stewing in this apartment like a damned soul in some infernal bagno but rising when the company entered made her curtsies with great decorum well said the doctor how does your patient nurse blessed be god for it i hope in a fair way to be sure his opposum has had a blessed effect five and twenty stools since three o'clock in the morning but then would not suffer the blisters to be put upon his thighs good lack and has been mortally obstropolous and out of his senses all this blessed day you lie cried the squire i ain't out of my seven senses though i'm half mad with vexation the doctor having withdrawn the curtain the hapless squire appeared very pale and ghastly and having surveyed his master with a rueful aspect addressed him in these words sir knight i beg a boon be pleased to tie a stone about the neck of the apothecary and a halter about the neck of the nurse and throw the one into the next river and the other over the next tree and in doing so you will do a charitable deed to your fellow-creatures for he and she do the devil's work in partnership and have sent many a score of their betters home to him before their time oh he begins to talk sensibly have a good heart said the physician 
what is your disorder physic what do you chiefly complain of the doctor does your head ache yea with impertinence have you a pain in your back yes where the blister lies are you sick at stomach yes with hunger do you feel any shivering always at sight of the apothecary do you perceive any load in your bowels i would the apothecary's conscience was as clear are you thirsty not thirsty enough to drink barley water be pleased to look into his forces said the apothecary he has got a rough tongue and a very foul mouth i'll assure you i have known that the case with some limbs of the faculty where they stood more in need of correction than of physic well my honest friend since you have already undergone the proper purgations in due form and say you have no other disease than the doctor we will set you on your legs again without further question here nurse open that window and throw these files into the street now lower the curtain without shutting the casement that the man may not be stifled in his own steam in the next place take off two-thirds of these coals and one-third of these blankets how dost thou feel now my heart i should feel heart whole if so be as you would throw the nurse o'er the buffles and the apothecary o'er the nurse and order me a pound of chops for my dinner for i be so hungry i could eat a horse behind the saddle the apothecary seeing what passed retired of his own accord holding up his hands in sign of astonishment the nurse was dismissed in the same breath crabshaw rose dressed himself without assistance and made a hearty meal on the first eatable that presented itself to view the knight passed the evening with the physician who from his first appearance concluded he was mad but in the course of the conversation found means to resign that opinion without adopting any other in lieu of it and parted with him under all the impatience of curiosity the knight on his part was very well entertained with the witty sarcasms and erudition of the doctor who appeared to be a sort of cynic philosopher tinctured with misanthropy and at open war with the whole body of apothecaries whom however it was by no means his interest to disoblige next day crabshaw being to all appearance perfectly recovered our adventurer reckoned with the apothecary paid the landlord and set out on his return for the london road resolving to lay aside his armour at some distance from the metropolis for ever since his interview with aurelia his fondness for chivalry had been gradually abating as the torrent of his despair had disordered the current of his sober reflection so now as that despair subsided his thoughts began to flow deliberately in their ancient channel all day long he regaled his imagination with plans of connubial happiness formed on the possession of the incomparable aurelia determined to wait with patience until the law should supersede the authority of her guardian rather than adopt any violent expedient which might hazard the interests of his passion he had for some time travelled in the turnpike road when his reverie was suddenly interrupted by a confused noise and when he lifted up his eyes he beheld at a little distance a rabble of men and women 
variously armed with flails pitchforks poles and muskets actingly offensively against a strange figure on horseback who with a kind of lance laid about him with incredible fury our adventurer was not so totally abandoned by the spirit of chivalry to see without emotion a single knight in danger of being overpowered by such a multitude of adversaries without staying to put on his helmet he ordered crabshaw to follow him in the charge against those plebeians then couching his glance and giving bronzamati the spur he began his career with such impetuosity as overturned all that happened to be in his way and intimidated the rabble to such a degree that they retired before him like a flock of sheep the greater part of them believing he was the devil in propria persona he came in the very nick of time to save the life of the other errant against whom three loaded muskets were actually levelled at the very instant that our adventurer began his charge the unknown knight was so sensible of the seasonable interposition that riding up to our hero brother said he this is the second time you have holped me off when i was bump ashore bez mizzen i must say is no more than a leaky bumboat in comparison of the glorious galley you want to man i desire that henceforth we may cruise in the same latitudes brother and i'll be damned if i don't stand by you as long as i have a stick standing or can carry a rag of canvas by this address our knight recognised the novice captain crow who had found means to accommodate himself with a very strange suit of armour by way of helmet he wore one of the caps used by the light horse with straps buckled under his chin and contrived in such a manner as to conceal his whole visage except the eyes instead of cuirass mail greaves and other pieces of complete armour he was cased in a postilion's leathern jerkin covered with thin plates of tinned iron his buckler was a pot-lid his lance a hop-pole shod with iron and a basket-hilt broadsword like that of hudibras depended by a broad buff belt that girded his middle his feet were defended by jack-boots and his hands by the gloves of a trooper sir lancelot would not lose time in examining particulars as he had perceived some mischief had been done and that the enemy had rallied at a distance he therefore commanded crow to follow him and rode off with great expedition but he did not perceive his squire was taken prisoner nor did the captain recollect that his nephew tom clark had been disabled and secured in the beginning of the fray the truth is the poor captain had been so belaboured about the pate that it was a wonder he remembered his own name End of chapter 16